Hi there, this is Tony Campolo, and opposite me is a friend of mine. If he would introduce himself, I yeah, would be most Shane pleased. Claiborne. Uh, we're we're always uh, almost always here together, and uh, yeah. sometimes we have guests, and this week we don't because there's so much happening uh, right now that we get to do together. Tony and I, I I gotta say this: I originally had uh, Tony Campolo here for um, sociology classes, where I can remember even that you sometimes would into, customize our homework assignments. One paper that I had to do was to analyze the problem of homelessness in Philadelphia, but I had to write the paper as if I was Frederick Nietzsche. Yeah. And uh, so it was, that was awesome. It opened my eyes to so much having sociology, but we all, I always like how Carl Barth said, we got to read the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. So we've got to intersect um, our love for God with the world that we live in. And that's what we get to do these days. So we got to teach a class together uh, last year at Eastern University, a school that we love. And uh, if you're looking to have a, a, a university that this is their own mission to bring the whole gospel to the whole world. And that's what they're about. That's what we're about. So, and now we, we're, we're writing books together, having fun, helping yeah. lead red letter Christians um, and uh, it's it's a good time. So. Well, Shane is the young guy who's moving in to take up the spaces that old guys like myself and Ron Sider, who wrote the uh, seminal book, one of the most important books of the 20th century, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. And uh, Jim Wallace, uh, we were the big three speakers of an earlier generation. And now this new group has come along, Jonathan Wilson Hardgrove. Keep your eyes on him. Yeah, Lisa He's... Sharon Harper. And uh, there's uh, you, one of the coolest things that we've got going at Red Letter Christians is uh, our website, redletterchristians.org. But if you go there and you click on people, you'll see about 100 people that are all preaching and writing and living out this uh, gospel of Jesus and justice. And uh, I think it's one of the best things you can see sermons from all of us. A bunch of us have been doing these red letter revivals. So we've got like 30 sermons uh, that hold those pe those those pieces together that that the gospel is personal and it is social. And so it's, it's a fun little movement to be a part of. You know, and let me just take one example. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, uh, they said the Christian's obligation was fulfilled when it came to money, if the Christian tithed, hmm. if you gave one-tenth of your income. You know, and I would always jokingly say, if you're going to do that, why don't you change the hymn book and start singing, one-tenth to Jesus I surrender, one-tenth to him I gladly give. You know, on the chorus, I surrender one-tenth. Dietrich Bonhoeffer <laughs> said, when Jesus calls a person, he calls that person to come and die. Hmm. Uh, tithing is the minimum. And Father John uh, uh, Dan Berrigan, he said, "If you want to be a Christian, you better look good on wood." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's heavy. Yeah, that's heavy. I hope you got that. Say it one more time. Yeah, Dan, Father Dan Berrigan, he was a wonderful Catholic priest. He's passed away now, but he said, uh, "If you want to uh, be a Christian, you better look good on wood." <laughs> and if you don't get it, write to us. Write to us. <laughs> Because you can go to our websites, TonyCampolo.org, write me and say, I didn't get it. Could you explain that to me? But uh, uh, when I talk about tithing, that's a Hebrew doctrine 
The Old Testament talks about tithing. You're to bring one-tenth of all your earnings to Jerusalem once a year. Check it out. It's in the book of Deuteronomy. It's in the book of Leviticus. And you know what you're to do with one-tenth of your money? You're to spend it. And if you look in the scriptures, it says this is what to spend it on. Feasting, dancing, (laughs) dancing. Baptists would go crazy on that one. Uh, That they should spend their money on feasting and uh, uh, make sure the widow and the orphan is brought into the feast. There should be this incredible blowout party. As a matter of fact, I wrote a book on this subject entitled The Kingdom of God is a Party. Mm-hmm. And that's, the, that's what tithing was about. Imagine a nation blowing one-tenth of its gross national product every year in one gigantic celebration in the capital city of Jerusalem. Mm. Whoa, no wonder people said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Mm. If it's going to be dancing and eating and drinking, no wonder they were thrilled to go. And you look at the uh, uh, whole kind of economics and sharing of the early church in the book of Acts, which, you know, is a big inspiration for our community and vision at the, uh, at the simple way, which, which has been around for 20 years now, like we read that and um, it doesn't talk anything about 10%. No. It actually says no one claimed any of their possessions were their own. They shared everything they had and says they did take offerings yeah. and that they were put at the apostles' feet See. and they were distributed to folks as they had need. And, and, le- and they even had an ethic that said, if you have more than you need while someone else has less than they need, you're a thief. Yeah. And that makes me a thief because I'm afraid that falls, I fall into the category. When it comes to living out those red letters of the Bible, I'm still on my way. I'm not there yet. I I always sign uh, books with Philippians uh, 3, 13 and 14, not as though I have already apprehended, not as though I've already achieved. I'm still pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm not where I ought to be. On the other hand, I'm not where I was. I keep moving in the right direction, and I pray that before I get called home, uh, I, uh, I, I get there, get there where I should be. Yeah. John Wesley said this. He said, I have never, not yet lived the life that Jesus has called me to live, but I'm, I'm moving in that direction. And, and I mean, his, his uh, uh, view of, of money was very much shaped by the early Christians and, yeah. and Jesus, too, and, and he used to uh, uh, live off of uh, minimalist uh, income, even while lots of money was being generated through yeah. hymns and all this stuff that they were doing together. And yet he lived off of a poverty wage and gave the rest away. And it's estimated he gave millions and millions of, do- of pounds or contemporary yeah. dollars uh, away. And he said, if I should die with more than 10 pounds, let every person call me a liar and a thief. And when he died, to bear out his words, what they found he left behind was a worn-out Bible and five pounds in English money. <laughs> so crazy. he didn't even make the 10 pounds. Didn't even make five the ten pounds. pounds. One, he, one more great line. He said, if I find money in my hands, I get rid of it as quick as I can before it corrupts my heart. Oh, wow. whoa, so, whoa. So, you know, it's interesting because we're, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but we're getting ready to live off of a, a bus, you know. But when people, you know, when I was single, people were like, oh, that's awesome. You know, it's easy to be radical when you're single. But once you get married, you know, you start to make compromises and concessions and, you you know, you settle down and you have a family. And the interesting thing is, you know, my wife, Katie, we had breakfast this morning together. And she, she is, um, when I got married, she was like, do you, you have way too much stuff. 
You know, <laughs> she's yeah. like, your income is too much. She cut my living expenses, yeah. my stipend, my living stipend, which, you know, is like $2,000 a month or something. She's like, it's too much. Yeah. And she's like, and the public schools in our neighborhood do not have uh, uh, air conditioning, you know, in, in the summer. And so we're not going to have it either until the public schools yeah. have it, you know? And so she got rid of my central air. Yeah. Uh, she got rid of the microwave. I was like, how do you cook without a microwave baby? You know? And so like, I, uh, sometimes I say when I got married, I became Amish, you know, I got, we got rid of all these modern conveniences, but, um, Katie and I are getting ready to live on this little, uh, tiny house. It's a school bus, uh, which, uh, it, it, you can get for really cheap in the United States because they turn them over regularly to make sure that they're new and they're really well kept. So there's school buses everywhere. And there's a whole movement called the schoolie movement, Tony, to I didn't know re that. renovate school buses and turn them into mobile homes, tiny houses. Yeah. And so we've got one parked at the, uh, the, the parking lot here at Eastern University and it has solar panels on the top and it's all been converted. We got a, a composting toilet uh, we've got a bedroom, you know, a kitchen, little with kitchen a stove, yes. even an oven. So we're ready to go. And we're going to, uh, we, we leave, um, by the time the show comes out, we're probably already on the road, but we're doing a, a 35 city tour around, um, gun violence and just the culture of violence in our world. And, and the, um, the hope of Jesus to heal our violent hearts and violent yeah. streets. So we're, we're also melting a gun down every night. In, in over 30 cities all over the country. Donated guns, by the way. Like, yeah. people are bringing their guns. We're chopping them down and turning them into garden tools. Ooh, so uh, you're really uh, doing what the Bible says, beating the uh, swords, or in this case, guns, into plowshares. Yeah, that's our website, too, for all of this. This is kind of a new project of mine, but it's all on beatingguns.com. Okay, and that's the name check of our that out. And incidentally, uh, both Shane and I are coming over to the United Kingdom We'll be there uh, from June 16th to June 23rd, and uh, uh, we will be... Uh, we'll be beating knives. You'll be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then most of the violence over on the other side of the pond is done with knives. So they're beating knives, into, which is much more biblical. Swords into <laughs> Swords plowshares into is what the Bible says. You're not quite doing that when it's guns into plowshares, but the idea is much in the same. Uh, check out the website, not just of our uh, website, but the Red Letter Christians is now operative in the United Kingdom, being led by a really great Christian brother, Ash Barker. He operates out of uh, Newbigin House. That's what it's called, Newbigin House up in Birmingham. Uh, I even say Birmingham like the Brits do. I've yeah, gotten that, that British. I caught that. Birmingham. And uh, he's up there, and he's doing the work of missions, uh, reaching out. He teaches at a Nazarene seminary that's a theological school up there. And he's doing community stuff. Uh, it's a wonderful uh, work mm. that he's doing. But he's now the leader of the Red Letter Christians movement in the United Kingdom. And he's the guy that's setting up this tour for the two of us uh, between uh, uh, June 16th and June 23rd. Now, I need some information on this tour around the United States. You gave us a little insight. You got this bus that's been changed into a, a vehicle where you and your wife will live. And incidentally, if you think Shane is radical, you have not met Katie, his wife. <laughs> she is much more Christian than he is. And uh, she is constantly calling him to accountability. You know, you're preaching all this stuff. you got to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And so uh, you want to meet them. She gets me up early in the morning now to do devotionals. Like we do prayer in the morning, afternoon, evening. She's, uh, and she's, she's awesome. So she's actually right now 
over getting the bus ready for our tour. And we're, it's, it's going to be a powerful movement because we're, we're going to uh, uh, all these different uh, places in our country, some of them that have been uh, victims of mass shootings, um, like we'll be in Thousand Oaks, California, we'll be in several places that are now known for the massacres that they've endured, even little towns like Heston, Kansas, where there was a mass shooting uh, at a workplace. Not and, Heston. Yes. Hes- I mean, yep. that's a Mennonite town. I, and I was there, like, I was there preaching. Listen to this. And I, I was talking about a culture of violence and fear. Literally, I preached on it on Sunday morning. And someone asked me, yeah, but this is Heston, Kansas, you know? The Mennonites we, rule this town. And we talked about that. And then I, it must have been one week or two weeks later that they had this terrible mass shooting. Now, the Mennonites are prepared to respond, and they've done some amazing things to heal, you know, after this tragedy. But we'll be there. You know, we'll be in these towns. We're, we're going to be joined by um, a number of, of Native Christians and Native theologians, friends of ours, folks that have been a part of Red Letter Christians. When like you say Ka- Native, you mean Native, Native American. American. Caitlin, uh, we yeah. would call them Indians in, in the old days. Na- yeah, Native, Native First Nations folks here yeah. in, in, the, in, the, in, in the U.S. So Mark Charles, who does amazing work on the doctrine of discovery, Caitlin Curtis and Randy and Edith Woodley out west. So, but, but we'll be looking at our own violence and, and the key role that guns played in that. I mean, guns were uh, like instrumental in slaughtering native folks and um and and even our racial history so we'll have a lot of uh that that we're talking about and then we're going to um have victims of gun violence all over the country that we're really honoring their pain and their hope that we can make some changes um one of the things that we're doing tony too is like you know folks say that it's not a gun problem it's a heart problem and they're partly right there is a heart problem and we could get rid of every gun. And like, you know, in the UK, we'll find other ways to, to kill one another. So we are going to honor the fact that we're asking God to heal our hearts. And we have a time at the forge where we identify and name the, the hostilities of our own hearts. And the fact that we know that each of us is capable of tremendous violence if we don't keep that in check. And we'll be writing things on a little uh, piece of paper and throwing it into the forge that we melt the guns mm-hmm. in. And Tony, the, you know, it burns that up. And um, my blacksmith friend gave me a great image. He said, There's the, you have to notice that when you're at the blacksmithing forge and you put the, the dense, cold metal of the gun into the forge, it begins to take on the character of the fire. It begins to glow bright orange. And at one point, you can't even tell the metal from the the orange. It just all glows orange. And he says it heats up, and that's what allows you to shape it. Um, And uh, so when we talk about iron sharpening iron, it's literally the contrast between the you know, the cold metal and the hot metal mm. that shapes it. And, uh, and he also con- constantly reminds me that, you know, if you, if you don't stay near to the flame, this preaches, right? Like then you start to grow cold. So, you know, I, there's a lot that we learn from the forge. And, um, as we do this tour, we are praying for God to heal our hearts and our, our culture, you know, um, one of the things that I found about guns is that, there, there is an expression of masculinity that even if you go back to the earliest days of guns in this country, the ways that they were pitched and um, uh, marketed, um, even today there's gun ads that say, here's your man card, and it's yeah. an advertisement for an assault rifle. You yeah. know, um, and, and in the U.S., uh, white males are less than a third of our population, but we're two-thirds of the gun owners. Yeah. And you look at things like domestic violence, and when someone 
has um, done violence against their intimate partner, their wife, they often end up being violent in public in other ways, or they often end up taking the life of their their domestic partner. So that's why, you know, a majority of gun owners think like, if you've been convicted of domestic violence or an assault, like you shouldn't have access to a gun. Well, <laughs> so this- the validity of that, uh, let me just break here and say, you're listening to Claiborne, say, I guess tongue tied, Shane Claiborne uh, and uh, Tony Campolo. We're here every week on this show. Uh, the name of the show is From Across the Pond. We're here promoting what we call Red Letter Christianity. You say, what's that all about? Go to our website, uh, redletterchristians.org. You'll find out about it. There's a place where you can sign on, where you can get your church to sign on, Mm -hmm. your Christian Bible study to sign on. Um, And what you are signing on to is, insofar as the Holy Spirit empowers me, I will live out the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus in many of the Bibles here on this side of the pond here in the United States, those teachings are often highlighted with red letters, hence the name, Red Letter Christians. And we're into the teachings of Jesus. We want to live out the teachings of Jesus. You were talking about violence in the home, and may I point out that most of the murders in the United States, as often as we hear about these mass murders, most of the murders take place in people's homes Mm. where guns are readily available. And a family argument escalates and reaches a fever pitch. And somebody reaches for a gun and kills the person. And five minutes later, when the police arrive, that person's crying his eyes out, crying her eyes out. I didn't mean to do this. I was carried away by my anger. Access to guns can make people who are angry into murderers with a snap of the finger. Yeah, and it, I mean, over over and over, statistics show that a gun in the home uh, makes an abused woman five times more likely to be a victim of domestic homicide. And, and you know, even when we look at, we, we were talking a little bit before on another show about what we're conditioned to fear. We're conditioned to fear people who are different from us. You know, we're, and especially in the U.S., we're constantly fed this ideology that immigrants or refugees or Muslims are uh, people we need to fear but the fact is, like, white men are responsible for 85% of the homicides in this country. And when you look at mass shootings since, like, the 1980s, um, nine, over 90% of those mass shootings are done by men, and usually white men. And, yeah. and yet that's not, you know, <laughs> we're, we don't hear about a ban on white guys. Yeah. You know, well, you got to send these folks back where they yeah. came from or something. Yeah. But, yeah. And uh, we are uh, sponsoring this tour that you're on across the United States, speaking in how many different cities? 35. 35, yeah, we'll 35 cities. cities. Over, it's, it's over the season of Lent. So what, yeah. what a beautiful way for us, I think, as we think about Easter and all that it means and stands for is to, uh, you know, turn from death to life and to transform tools that have been designed to kill into tools that are designed to cultivate life. Now, we'll be over in the United Kingdom uh, in, in June. June 16th through 23rd, we'll be going to cities all over the United Kingdom. Uh, I don't have the schedule yet. It'll be posted as soon as it is finalized by Ash Barker. He's the guy who's uh, heading up the uh, Red Letter Christian movement in yeah, the United Kingdom. Yeah, starting to do some of the radio shows with y- us and yes, everything. Yes, yeah, so. yes, yes. And he'll be, 
He's going to be featured more and more on Premier Radio, which thrills us because we think we need special leadership in the United Kingdom because we people over here in, uh, in the U.S. side of the pond uh, don't understand the English situation, the British situation, I should say, because we want to talk about Wales and Scotland uh, and Ireland. And you, you should say a little bit about the gathering to kick that off. You were over there uh, right around the time that Ash and others were, were starting Red Letter Christians UK, right? Because yeah. one of the things that we're seeing in the U.S. that I think is true in the U.K., is that we do need to decenter whiteness and yeah. white evangelicalism and celebrate that there are a whole lot of other leaders, especially women and uh, leaders of color, immigrant pastors that have an eye for what God is doing, that those of us that have been in the kind of dominant colonizing culture, um, we often can kind of miss and distort what God's doing. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and there's a strong emphasis in the Red Letter Christians movement in uh, making uh, women equal partners. Uh, we've, uh, we men have uh, stolen the stage and kept it to ourselves, and we're saying it's time for us to repent and to say uh, women have wanted to have a part, and we've pushed them aside. We're not going to push them aside anymore, and what's more is they're getting strong, and they're not willing to be pushed aside, and they're stepping up and demanding equality in every respect. Mm. So uh, on this tour, we'll be uh, talking about the inclusion of people of other nationalities, other races, uh, of other as sexual orientations. We're, we're going to be all over the place saying that uh, Jesus is a... Uh, a God's Jesus. on the move. Yeah. yeah. And it says this. Uh, when we were talking on an earlier show of trying to maintain a balance between personal salvation, winning people to Christ, and having their lives morally changed, and, uh, and on the other hand to speak to social issues and talk about social salvation and getting society to live out the teachings of Jesus. We emphasize both of those in Red Letter Christianity. Yeah. As we, we do this, uh, we do it in the name of Jesus, and we read in John 3.16, the most famous Bible verse, for God so loved not mm. just individuals, not just society, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the word world there, if you go to the original language, uh, the Koine Greek in which the Bible was written, the word is cosmos. That means everything that's in the world, mm. people, schools, economic system, political systems, uh, recreational institutions, individuals who are of one race. and God loves it all, mm. and he wants to bring it all under his lordship. Go to the first chapter of Ephesians, and it says, And he shall bring into subjection to himself all principalities, all powers, mm. all dominions, all thrones. And the next line, hear this, people, through the church. Mm. The church is called to be a redeemer of the world in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm. So that's what we're about. And we're about red-letter Christianity. Uh, keep your eyes open for this tour of the United Kingdom where uh, we'll not only be promoting red-letter Christianity, but I guess everywhere we go, we'll be melting down knives because most of the violence in the United Kingdom is committed with knives. Mm. We're going to be melting down knives, living out the teachings of Scripture, where it says, beat your swords into plowshares and don't get into, into uh, violence anymore. And we, we realize that we're the, 
the guys over here on this side of the pond, and we're coming over to celebrate what uh, the Spirit's already doing over there. So we, we love to hear what you are doing and what you see God doing that at this intersection uh, between the gospel and the world we live in. So what does it look like to bring the kingdom in the UK or in Bristol or Birmingham? See how I said that? Or, you know, wherever you are, what does it look like? Newcastle, to, uh, yeah, Durham. To, to bring uh, the, the kingdom there. And Liverpool. So send, send us, your, uh, send us your, your stories and come uh, show up uh, when we come to your town and tell us what God's doing there. A good thing to say is we are not bringing Jesus to the United Kingdom. Jesus is already there. We're not bringing him there. We're joining what he's doing over there through the British people. And we want to laud Ash Barker one more time, who we think is one of the key leaders in that country, along with Steve Chalk and others who are at the cutting edge. Yeah, one of, one of the things that we've said from the beginning of Red Letter Christians is that, that we're about harmonizing, not homogenizing. Amen. So we're, the, the unity that Jesus prayed for is not about uniformity. It's about a, a beautiful, diverse cloud of witnesses that are singing the same song of Jesus and justice. So we need your voice. And, and if you haven't gone to redletterchristians.org and, and signed up to be a part of the movement, then do that. And uh, thanks for joining us uh, every week as we're on uh, here at Across the Pond. So any, any closing benediction, Reverend? Just, Reverend? Sim- just simply this. <laughs> you sounded so eloquent in those last 30 seconds that I felt like writing down what you had to say. Blessings on you, Shane, and blessings on all of you who have listened to him and listened to me over these last few minutes. We'll see you this summer when we come over to the UK. Bye-bye now.